Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Saki. And welcome to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove and our friends at David Hobbs Honda in Glendale. Steve Zotke here, along with the Polish Pipe Bomb, Jeff Rolaski. What's happening, Steve? Living the dream, sir. Living the dream. And, uh, of course, it's a big motorsports weekend, but pretty much every weekend, uh, I mean, we're, we're, we're in fifth gear when it comes to motorsports, uh, uh, in the, not only in the state of Wisconsin, Midwest, but nationally, too. Everybody's uh, firing on all cylinders. Well, yeah, you know, you got uh, Xfinity out at uh, Road America. You've got the uh, doubleheader in, uh, for the Cup Series at Michigan. Uh, NHRA is at Indianapolis. In middle, it was, IndyCar was supposed to be at Mid-Ohio, but that was postponed. So that's been uh, placed on the back burner. And then, of course, we had the big news uh, regarding the Indianapolis 500, which we'll get into next segment. But uh, we had some uh, it, kind of a notable uh, or some decent amount of news in the Cup Series for NASCAR. And uh, one of them is uh, and something we brought up earlier in the year was, was he or was he not? And the answer is yes, regarding Brad Keselowski and Team Penske. Yeah, it's hard not to give Brad Keselowski an extension, especially after all the success that he's had the last handful of years, besides the fact being a uh, a past champion and everything like that. You know, Brad, uh, Brad deserves to be up there as, uh, you know, a top five racer in the series. And uh, good for him that he got the extension done. It shows again that uh, the Penske organization as a whole, they don't leave any stone unturned. They're not going to leave their guy out there just wilting in the wind, especially on such a big, what is supposed to be a big off season as far as free agent drivers. They wanted to lock big, uh, bad Brad up, and they sure did. And uh, good for Brad, good for NASCAR, and uh, and good for Roger Penske as well. Yeah, and then the other news that, that broke on uh, Thursday was that Eric Jones won't be back at Joe Gibbs Racing in 2021. And that kind of dovetails uh, with the information with uh, Levine uh, Racing 
not being back, uh, but the assets being sold. And uh, let me uh, just bring this up right here. Uh, Eric Jones is officially on NASCAR's free agent market. Uh, Jones won't return to Joe Gibbs' uh, number 20 car in 2021. Jones, who has been uh, in the Cup Series full-time since 2017, signed a one-year contract extension in 2019 to remain with the team for the 2020 season. Jones, uh, 24, is still one of the best young talents in the Cup Series, even if his 2020 season hasn't been great. Jones is uh, 18th in the point standings and outside the 16-driver uh, playoff field. Uh, despite five top five finishes so far in 20 races. And uh, just six drivers have more than five top fives in 2020. So uh, not a surprise. And that was going to be, you know, the question coming into the that was one of the questions coming into the 2020 season. Brad Kasalski, is he going to be back at uh, uh at Penske, Team Penske, and then of course we have a, a crowded uh, garage at Joe Gibbs Racing, and now th that's been explained. So it looks like so Christopher Bell in the ninety-five car should be going into that number twenty car. That's what it would appear to be. Um, for all the good news that Brad Keselowski got, this is bad news for Eric Jones and bad news for Christopher Bell. Uh, with with Jones. Like you said, it's not a shock. He had a one-year prove-it deal, and he has improved squad. He's got five top fives this year. Uh, well, that's not good enough for Joe Gibbs Racing. No. And when you've got that equipment, and Eric Jones has run in to just a world of bad luck this year. There were so many times when he was taken out in wrecks, not of his making, and stuff like that. But when you're consistently running in 22nd to 28th place, Bad things happen. You're not running up with the best. You're running in a pack, dirty air, all that kind of stuff. The handling, if you have a even a, a sort of a, a semi-ill handling car, then when you run in the mid-20s, you have a really bad handling car because of all the air and the disturbance and everything that you're trying to drive through in the traffic. Uh, the lap cars get more in the way when you're back there. It's just, it's brutal. It's a minefield. And he wasn't able to rise above it. And like you said, you know, he's, he's currently he sits 20th in the points. That's not good enough. And his equipment is a hell of a lot better than for him to be 20th in the points. Christopher Bell, disappointing season for him is also, uh, you know, he, and again, Christopher Bell has had some bad luck this season. And he's doing worse than Eric Jones. Bell is in the 23rd position as far as points right now. And A, that's not good enough. Uh, you know, yes, Levine Family Racing is not a, it's not Stuart Haas. They don't have the money in Team Hendrick or Penske. Very or disappointing, though, this year. Horribly disappointing. And I, it looks like, and it, it appears there is some, some criticism uh, when they had an affiliation with Furniture Road Racing, how how strong they were, almost too strong. Uh-huh. And there are some, uh, so I don't think there are some people at JGR Racing that did not like that. Why are we competing against them when we're giving them all that information? And I think they, they went to turn that spigot down on the 95 car, and I think they went a little too far. Yeah. And you see that this year where you have Christopher Bell, who's now at a point where he seems to be pressing a bit and a very talented driver, and you know when, when you're a rookie, it's not easy being a rookie in the Cup Series. 
and you see him pressing now and and maybe he's putting himself in situations where the strategy isn't working out he's getting caught up in wrecks and on the opposite end of that on on that you got Cole Custer yeah you know and and how strong he's been running and I mean this is a strong rookie season we thought Christopher Bell was just going to run away with it but it's it's certainly interesting uh what, what's going on you know now because you have the 48 car with Jimmy Johnson. Now there's talk. You know, some people might go, well, Eric Jones could go to that 48 car. Yeah, right. But now there's talk where there might be some contraction. That 48 car might be going away. And if you look at, at, at Hendrick Racing, you know, when you see when you see a foundation on the car or you see Chevy parts or Hendrick racing or sporting group that basically what they're saying is we don't have sponsorship for the car this weekend. And there's been, there's been a few that that's happened a few times with the Hendrick racing and that's never happened. No, this is, this is a team that, uh, about six years ago, there's an article published either wall street journal or Forbes or something where they, they kind of said, you know, what, what the finances were, finances were for the team this was a four-car team that had a budget of 200 million dollars in which i think 95 percent of it was from sponsorship the environment in nascar and sports in general is a lot different than it was five six years ago they're not getting it i don't believe anywhere close to two hundred thousand dollars or 200 million dollars a year uh from sponsorships there's a lot of, and you, you see this and and I understand it's a different game now. You know the eleven car. They, Joe Gibbs is so rough. That is one of the few cars whose paint scheme doesn't change unless they want it to because right. they have FedEx. But there's so many. You know the days of Jeff Gordon and that Dupont car. And, and you know it was every year, every every race. It was the Budweiser car, the Harvick car for a while. Those days are gone. Jimmy and Johnson you're, you're and Lowe's. Trying, yeah, you're just trying to piece sponsorship together. And to be honest, if if that 48 car goes away, that certainly helps the Hendrick team, doesn't it? It would. It would. You know, they can... Um... That's, that's 36 spots of sponsorship they don't have to go after now. Well, of course. And... Uh... You know, it would be very beneficial, and then they would be able to pool their money and increase the the funding for the other three cars. And uh, you know, obviously, they sat there and uh, Hendrick. You know, they made the move to go younger a couple years ago with Chase Elliott and with Alex Bowman. Uh, you know, so the youth movement is on. I really hope, and I, you know. I'm not a big Jimmy Johnson fan. Obviously, you know, I'm not going to sit here and, and say that he's overrated or that he doesn't have talent. He's got seven damn championships. Right. So that would just be completely stupid. He's a hell of a driver. I don't root for him. I don't like him. I love the fact that he's struggling, that he's sitting 18 in points, and if the playoffs started tomorrow, he wouldn't make it. I love all that. I love the fact that, uh, you know, 2020 is messed up as it's been with coronavirus. I'm glad he didn't get a chance to sit there and make the uh, farewell tour to every single track and every pre-race show. We'd have to listen to them just slobber all over Jimmy Johnson and how amazing he is. I'm glad that doesn't happen. I don't like any of those guys to sit there and go on these farewell tours. I think I think it's, just, it's completely selfish, and I think that um, it just shows the 
the look at me, look at me attitude. Well, a lot of the times, though, it's not it's not the driver that's doing it. I understand, and you know that there's there's tracks and stuff that that want to sit there and and do stuff for these guys. But and I understand, like if it's your hometown track, you know, if uh, if if you were in NASCAR and a mile still running and all that, and you decide to retire, and they have Steve Zaki Day at the Milwaukee Mile, understandable, you know, but. When you go to Atlanta, and they're going to have a Steve right. Zaki day, they're going right. to put up the Steve Zaki grandstands in Phoenix. You know, you've got your kids going out saying, uh, "Drivers, start your engines before the race." Come on, man! It just makes me want to puke. See, I, I've 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 been a, a agnostic when it can't when it comes to Jimmy Johnson. I, I respect him. I respect what he's done for the sport. Uh, he's been he's he's a good person to work with uh you know i, I worked with uh you know jim Toretto is a friend of mine and he loves jimmy johnson but he's done a lot more work than him than i have and and he it's always frustrated him when he when he heard that because he's like jimmy is a good guy he's a guy you can go out and have a beer and i've we've had beers with with jimmy johnson and he is does he, he drink that, tofu beer because no, he seems but, like one of them California? <laughs> I need to go meditate on it. And you hear the same thing. It's the same thing with Scott Dixon. You know, Scott Dixon is oh, he's boring and that. But I mean, Scott Dixon is is is, is can actually be entertaining. He's a real stand up guy. He's he's a fun guy, and yes, he likes to uh, drink beer and have a good time. He's a normal guy, a quote unquote normal guy, just like Jimmy. Uh, now Jimmy, as of late, I can't say that, but I'm talking Jimmy Johnson when he first broke in the NASCAR. Right, he was like that. So I'm, mean, you know, it's frustrating. But you know, on the flip side, though, you know, I'm at Walmart a couple weeks ago. You know, and I, I'm nudging my buddy. I'm like, look, look, Jimmy Johnson T-shirt. <laughs> you don't see no. I mean, no, you don't see him. Well, it's funny. It's frustrating. You know, for NASCAR fans like us, it's certainly you know we 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 get frustrated and we air our grievances about what uh, about NASCAR and this show and that, but because of because of our love for the sport. But I mean, you look back twenty years ago, what did you see? I mean, granted, there was a lot of threes out there because of Earnhardt and that, but you saw a lot of twenty fours. Oh yeah. And you saw a lot of twos for Rusty at the time, and, yeah, and for for whatnot. And when was the last time you saw a NASCAR number on a car? Oh God, it's been a while. I actually saw one about I don't know, maybe three, four days ago. Because now when you see and it, you notice. I I did a triple take because I'm like, what the hell? You used to see him all the time, yeah. you know. And uh, and being a fib from Chicago, I would see him around Chicago all the time. Mm-hmm. You never see him anymore. And, well, you know, part of it is a lot of them switching teams, switching cars, switching numbers. You know, you really want to go out there every year, every two years with a razor blade trying to get the uh, the sticker off the window. But, uh, but yeah, you don't see it anymore. We are way late for a break. Let's take a quick break here. Actually, we're, we're going to talk a little more NASCAR in this next break, and then we'll get uh, bring you up to date with the Indianapolis 500 news coming up here at the break uh, after that. So coming up more on the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda. Coming up next.
And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove along with our friends at David Abzanda, Steve Zaki, and the Polish pipe on Jeff Orlowski. And Jeff, uh, this week some changes announced in NASCAR. And one of them is uh, NASCAR announced a new uh, lineup formula to take effect at the Daytona Road Course. Uh huh. What do you think about that? Uh, it's finishing position from the previous race weighted fifty percent. Ranking and team owners point standings thirty five percent. Fastest lap of the previous race fifteen percent. So basically, fans have no idea how they're going to mix it up, and it makes no sense. It's confusing, and because heavens for, heavens forbid, we want to just throw them into a bowl and pick them out one at a time. Yeah, yeah, you know, leave it to NASCAR to make it more complicated than it should be. Um, you know, we, we've talked about this before with the no practice, no qualifying, and how they sat there and they took the top twelve uh, in in points, and they would be entered and you know drawn out of a hat or whatever, and then you get your your spot in the top twelve starting position. Do you think it's a coincidence that this is the first week that Kyle Busch has dropped to 13th and now all of a sudden they switch the rules so maybe the the whiny M&M guy isn't going to complain about it, uh, you know, about starting anywhere between 13th and 25th? I don't know. Uh, if you're wearing a tin hat or a tinfoil hat and listening to the show, that's a conspiracy theory you might want to chew on for a little while. But, uh, you know... It just seems more complicated than it should be. I mean, just throw everybody's any, name in the damn yeah, hat. Yeah, who does anything? Fifty percent, thirty-five percent, fifteen percent. Fastest lap from the previous race. So if you're going to a road course in, yeah. and and say you come off a of Talladega and you're going to use your fastest right. lap at Talladega and then the next week, you know, say it's Bristol or Martinsville, you know, and you're going to use your speed from Daytona to help judge where you start at Martinsville. Because of your fastest lap, it's just stupid. Mix it up. I know. I know. It just And like I said, if they would do it with the whole damn field, Steve, then you'd have races where um, Because then you would have more race strategy. You would have guys trying to go off you know, off schedule, pitting early, pitting late, trying to guess yellows. You would have more guys on different strategies than that. Yeah, it would be. Uh, it would make for Trying one hell of a race. more entertaining, especially with a track which you know maybe passing isn't at a premium. So you want to try and do a little. You know, want to cheat a little bit. Uh, maybe if the tire wear is a little more excessive, you know, should we pit a little bit early and try and make up time that way? There's a lot of variables around that can kind of spice things up. In what better way? I mean. I'm not saying, you know, you put, you know, Quinn Huff on the pole. No, I mean, rookies, you know, exempt the rookies. Even even if you want to go, you know, you got to have 20 races in order to be in this mix. You know, that's fine. Start start those guys at the back. Uh, you know, you go, if you want a race, if you're, but, you know, you, you, you if you win a race or you're in the top 16, you can go in the pool. How's that? Does that make sense? If you're a rookie, rookies cannot be in that the big bowl where we're going to pull starting positions out. Rookies, and you have to have minimum of 20, 30. Well, I don't care. 30 races. I throw them all is, in there. 40. But I can understand. Just it's it's the Quinn Huff rule. But, okay, you want to okay, call it. But, 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 okay, you do that because there are going to be some people bitching about it. So you do that. Okay, that's fine. You, you got to have some races. It makes sense. 
it's for safety. It's for the safety of our competitors. Yeah. Yeah. So, but but you can get in the bowl if you're in the top 16 or you want to race. So Cole Custer is in there and um you know, so so and Christopher Bell, well he's not in the top 16, but it doesn't matter. But you know, so I, I just think it would be a little more exciting. Well, you know, I I think you're right. I would just throw everybody's name in there. And um you know, yes, do you want Quinn Huff taking taking the green flag and leading the field to green? Uh, it would in be any exciting, race? but I can understand the trepidation from the other I can better. understand the trepidation, but if you're trying to sell your sport that depends so heavily on sponsors and you're looking for sponsorship for not only the field fillers and the cars in the middle of the pack, guys are struggling for sponsorship from well-funded teams. We talked about Hendrick in the last seg- segment. You know, what better way to sit there and say, plaster your sticker on our car, We're and you have a yeah. chance every single week of starting number one, and when the green flag waves, there's your logo on TV. So I think it would you know help sell the sport from a sponsorship point of view as well. But the the fifty thirty five fifteen, what the hell is that? And you know, obviously, you know, you listen to the show, you know, I'm I'm stupid, but you know, I can't figure that crap out. I don't even know how to figure that out. What if I had a damn calculator, Steve? You know, so it just why complicate it so damn much? Just put everybody's name in the hat and pick one. Jesus. Uh, the other rule that was announced, uh, the choose rule added that the majority of races started in Michigan. NASCAR officials announced Thursday that all three national series will use a choose rule for restarts except at road courses and the super speedways of Daytona and Talladega. The procedure will be in place starting with the Cup Series and Gander Mountain RV Outdoor Truck Series events starting this weekend at Michigan International Speedway. The rule was first used at the national series level in NASCAR All-Star Week at Bristol. So we're talking about the inside-outside, right? Yep. Inside-outside, you get to, you know, there's a designated spot on the track where when you're coming to a restart, you know, if uh, if you want to start in the outside row, then you go to the outside line, uh, outside of that cone or whatever the mark is on the track. You want to be on the inside row, you go to the inside. I like it. You know, it's the way it's done on short tracks all across this, this mm-hmm. country. I, I enjoy it. With NASCAR, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. There are very few tracks like Martinsville where if you're second, hopefully the thing that the choose rule for me does is stop the the BS games at the end of pit road, slamming on the brakes to try to get out third instead of second. Exactly. You know, I that annoys the hell out of me. But Name a, a, a track besides maybe Martinsville where if you start in the outside, you know, you're going to lose a hell of a lot of, or, you know, you're going to lose a, a ton of uh, spots until you can to get in line again. Um, Texas. Yeah. You know, th- there's a few of them. There's a few. But if I, if I come out of the pits, say, the only people I think that uh, it, it makes a difference for, and it doesn't make a difference for the leader anymore because they had the right. is the guy in second, third, and fourth. You know, my only concern is. What's that? 
number one, there's too many cautions with the competition caution, all this. Uh, there's too many cautions, especially with the brakes, and they're ungodly. These things, the, the I mean, when you when you have a stage break and it's it's five minutes and yeah. sometimes six minutes, are, are these things going to go seven, eight, nine minutes? I mean, we're seeing an erosion of the television audience on these telecasts. If they do this, they better do it in a timely manner. Because if you don't do it in a timely manner, you lose. I mean, in my opinion, they, they shouldn't have that choice then. We yeah. got to get the show on the road. Let's go. They need to speed things up. They were I, able to do it at Bristol very, very quickly. And for it to be their first run during the All Star race, you know, but granted, that's not a full field that was running. So, right. you know, but I think it only affects a, a small handful of guys at the top because if I come out fifth, and and say even the first four guys chose the outside line or they chose the inside line. I come out fifth. I got a chance to line up on the front row or to be the fifth car back on the preferred line. I'll take the front row, please. Thank you. You know, I got a, cho- a choice to be the fifth car on the preferred line or the second car in the in the, the lane you don't want to be. I'll take uh, being the second car in the lane and I'll sit there and try to use the chrome horn to get back in and, uh, you know, make up a couple positions just because of where I start. Yeah. So I, I think it only affects a, a, a couple positions. I think it's overrated in general. I hope that it works out. You know, it definitely works on, on the short tracks all across the uh, the country. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm surprised how many people are excited about it on Twitter because, you know, I saw it. It was like, okay, well, ho-hum, you know, it, it's not going to make a hell of a, a lot of difference. Uh, one other thing, uh, and Claire B. Lang's, uh, serious show, they mentioned, um, uh, David Wilson was on there, president of Toyota Racing Development, and, uh, they were, came up with the subject of Christopher Bell, and the quote here was, Christopher Bell, who is certainly one of our development drivers and somebody that we invested a lot over the years, is, uh, it puts him in immediate peril regarding the Levine racing, the 95 being sold. We know, we don't know yet if we can, if we can recover having to go out, that's the 1st of August and blah, 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 blah. But well, basically he says, uh, uh, they want to keep Christopher Bell is what he's trying to say there. Uh, and I, yeah, I think with the, with the Eric Jones, uh, thing with him not being back in the 20 car, you're going to see Christopher Bell in the 20 car makes sense. It does make sense. Um, You know, being a rookie at the cup level is hard because of the level of competition, the the dramatic difference between the cup car and an Xfinity car, or if you, you know, obviously most don't come straight from the truck series. We've seen in the past, especially guys coming from that USAC side, uh, Tony Stewart being one and Kyle Larson being the other, where they actually the cup series is actually they they actually gel more in the cup series because of the more horsepower right and the the the, the Tony Stewart hated the old Bush series when he started because of the lack of horsepower when he got in the cup series it's like now nah, this I like this I want eight hundred horsepower. I don't want, you know, 500, 600 horsepower like in the old Bush series. Right. And I think Christopher Bell is the same way. Now, Christopher Bell, I don't necessarily think it, it it's working for him because of the team itself. And like I said, we talked in the previous segment, that spigot of development from 
JGR racing is not open all the way like it was for the 78 team. I agree. And, you know, it's got to be, like I was saying, you know, it's hard for Christopher Bell this season because he's a rookie. He's got so much to learn and everything like that. When you have the success that Christopher Bell had in every series that he's raced in, and the kid straight dominated the hell out of the Bush series when he Mm -hmm. was in there. And all he did was win and win championships and dominate. And, you know, he's used to sipping on the champagne in victory lane, not battling for 25th spot with three laps to go. The arrow on Christopher Bell's career was pointed directly straight up. Mm -hmm. And now there's question marks. And when you're a rookie in this series, you're struggling Stuff's, you know, stuff ain't going your way to put it, uh, to put it nicely. Um, you know, I think more doubt is going to creep into his head. And I think, uh, you know, you want to, he's he's been given a vote of confidence. What the hell does that mean? Jimmy Johnson or uh, uh, Jerry Jones gives a vote of confidence every year. It's a kiss of death. I said in the previous segment that he's pressing, he wants to, but now he knows that, you know, Christopher. Do what the car can do. You can only carry the car so much. Let's work on, you know, there there's things you can work on. I mean, we, we've seen this with, with quarterback development, which I think is, is when you're at that level of racing, communication is so very strong, so very important between the, 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 the crew chief and the driver. And I think do you see that with coaches and quarterbacking and that and mm-hmm. offensive coordinators. And a lot of that is, is so true. And so I, I think I, I I think we'll see a little bit of improvement. And with the ninety five going away, maybe they'll open up that spigot a little more because now, you know, that team is disp- you know, we'll see how that goes. I, and, I, you might see something. And and let's face it, he's had a lot of bad luck. But real quickly, I want to say about Christopher Bell, for those who are saying, well, I don't know about his talent. This is a kid that never went on a road course before. And w- didn't he win in his, like, his third or fourth race on a road course? I believe so. And that that is talent. Oh, yeah. That is an, and And you've seen this. Uh, this may surprise people. Robbie Gordon is one of these guys who is phenomenal a- driver. But his mouth got him, and he made bad decisions yeah, and course. whatnot. But this is a guy who went out at Daytona in a Roush Trans Am car and within a day or two was lapping competitively with his teammates who've been road racing all their life. And that's only because drivers can only do that who are talented. Yeah. And I'm talking your Jeff Gordons, your Tony Stewart's, the aforementioned Robbie Gordon, Christopher Bell is close to that. Kyle Larson, too, is another one who excelled. He was driving it for Ganassi at 24 hours at Daytona, and was he was disappointed that he was a tenth or two off his other guys. Well, He's and like, I'll tell you this. Kyle Larson is the story of the summer, and oh, the yes. way that he is dominating the all-star circuit uh, in sprint cars. We really need to get a sprint car guy on this show. Well, I'll work on that in the next week or two and, and get somebody on the show uh, that because uh, we follow it, we're sprint car fans, but we're not in the mud of sprint car like right. we should be here in Wisconsin. We'll we'll, we'll get somebody on the show. We'll, I want to talk about that because yes, you're right. With Kyle Larson, uh, I I was talking to a buddy of mine, and, and, and he's been going to sprint car races for 50 years. He goes, I've never seen what Kyle Larson is doing in sprint car racing. 
World of Outlaws, All-Stars, you name it. I've never seen this before. And this is a guy, he goes, I've seen Steve uh, Steve Kinzer, Judd Larson, Jan Opperman, and all these guys. I, I've, I've seen Domination I've never seen before. So, He's on a yes, historic we run we're, for we're way, sure. we're way running way late here. Break. We're going to talk more on the Final Inspection Show, talking racing on the Final Inspection Show coming up after this in a moment. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove on 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove and also our friends at David Hobbs Honda. And the quote here, Jeff, it killed us, but it was the right thing to do. Roger Penske. Yes, uh, Roger Penske said it was one of the toughest decisions he ever had to make. It is certainly at the tops. An owner of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway to Racer Magazine Tuesday night after some nine hours that was announced that there would be no fans at the 104th running of the Indianapolis 500. And we talked a bit about this last week, Jeff, how uh, there is some talk and some pushback from the city and people involved with inside the city of Indianapolis, IU Health and whatnot, and some pushback back from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway saying, hey, we made changes, we've done stuff, we've we've checked all the boxes, we're doing everything we're supposed to do, and it just isn't working out, is it? No, and I'm very disappointed in Roger Penske. Um because but did he have a, could he 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 should have sat there and dug his feet in because you know not only you know and and I said either last but, week okay or, okay it's time out but if he does that then what are they going to talk about well then you leave it open for all they're not going to talk about the race they're going to talk it's going to be the debate of why were the fans there? You know. So this way, I understand what you're saying. I I totally agree. I think he should have. But then there's all this other stuff involved with it. So if you do that, I think the problem is, though they ran the Indy 500 with a hundred thousand fans there, was it the right? I was it the right thing to do this and more on Channel 8 News in Indianapolis or whatever. You know. So I think that's they, instead of talking about IndyCar racing. Indianapolis Motor Speedway, this and that, you're talking about the debate, fans or no fans. Okay, I don't care what they're talking about, you know, and what the local media talks about or even on the Today Show. A, they're talking about, uh, they'll talk about whatever the hell they want, but B, racing is the backdrop, so it obviously helps the sport. But for him to sit there and bend over and give in to, you know, the the fears and all that kind of stuff from, from the local government to me is just so weak. They had one hell of a plan in, in a, at a racetrack that is the size of Rhode Island. Oh, let me, let me, let me expand on that. The captain 
Penske we're talking about, had been adamant for two months there would be fans in the stands. But something changes, changed in his mind over the weekend. Even though Penske Entertainment President Mark Miles said nobody forced IMS's decision, it seemed like uh, Penske took one for the team since IU Health, which I just mentioned before, condemned a decision to run with paying customers. We talked about that last week. We took... We took uh, one for the city, state, and racing industry sponsors and just about everyone we talked to, he replied. Back on March 1st, we had 160,000 seats sold. Then we dropped it 50% and put out our our 88-page plan late last month to work with just 25%. But the metrics over the last seven days really went against us, and we had to make a decision. If we had waited four days before the race to cancel it, there would have been hell. So I had to make the call. I understand that because people are making their plans later and later, and even I had not received any type of credential confirmation, and I I had a bad feeling this you know earlier in the week i said if i'm going to get a credential i'm going to hear about it you know in the next and i hadn't heard anything and then i heard about the dreaded press conference tomorrow morning i'm going yeah they're they're pulling the plug and that's what he did he said despite spending millions on the facility already renting iowa speedway for a double header giving texas a deal to stage the season opener the fact he won't make a penny off of ims biggest cash cow uh, he seemed upbeat as, as as ever. He Penske says, it's my 57th wedding anniversary today. What a way to celebrate it. He laughed, sitting next to his wife, Kathy. But seriously, our people have done an amazing job from the ticket office to the ground crew, Jay Fry and his people. Nobody wishes we could have had fans more than me. But, uh, you know, he said, but this COVID virus is bigger than anything in the racing business. We have to support the technical data, metrics, and the daily information. I think what he's saying that, yeah, we're seeing a surge. And I understand there's a surge, but hospitalizations aren't as high as they were earlier in in the year and this and that. I understand your point, Jeff, but I think if you do with fans in the stands, they're going to talk about that and not the race. I think it's a load of BS, and I think that he bent over and uh, and he gave in when he shouldn't have. The fact that Wilmot, Plymouth, oh, Great Lakes Dragaway, yeah, Road America, Road America you know, uh, Beaver Dam, Slinger, all these places are open. They're open every single week. They're open with no restrictions on, on the number of fans for the most part. Do you hear about the huge outbreaks going on in Slinger because, you know, uh, they filled that track to go watch racing? No, you don't. And you don't hear about it because they went in there with a good plan, masks, social distancing, if you, you know, when possible, all that kind of stuff. Be nice to your neighbors. If you're hanging out in a parking lot um, and you're just with your with your family and people that you live with, you know, uh, do whatever you want as far as masks and, and, and whatever. But, you know, when you're in common areas and stuff where you can't social distance, put the mask on to be nice and, and, and blah, blah, blah. It obviously works. It works. It's working. And the fact that, you know, you go from 25% capacity on freaking Indianapolis, and not only is it going to affect the racing this season, it affects a hell of a lot of next season 
because in India is where they make all their money, and it's spread out over the year. the The money that they generate from the Indy Five Hundred goes to help promote Mid Ohio. It goes to help promote, you know, uh, the race in Texas and and races at, at other places all across the the you know the the country. So you know you're killing yourself to sit there and be nice and play nice to these stupid politicians that you know and and they can say what they want about about the racing um and fans and oh yeah you know the numbers are skyrocketing and all all the fear-mongering that's going on it's proven week after week after week after week at short tracks all across this great country I understand that, that it is not causing these explosions well however however and this was uh, this was actually a, a track release uh, statement. As dedicated as we were to running this race with 25% attendance at the large outdoor facility, even with meaning, meaning, meaningful and careful pre, uh, precautions implemented by the city and state, the COVID trends in Marion County and Indiana have worsened. Since our June 26th announcement, the number of cases in Marion County had tripled while the positively, positivity rate to, from testing is doubled. We said from the beginning of the pandemic we would put the health and safety of our community first while hosting spectators at limited capacity at our, with a robust plan in place was appropriate for late June, but just not the right path in the current environment. So I understand what you're saying, and but this is the thing. Right now, IndyCar has had not a single positivity Te- or a single positive. positive test since they've come back racing with with the uh, with with the closed paddock area and everything. So, are you creating a, a, a an issue? You know, could you have a situation where where some fans get in or some people get in or whatever? You're exposing yourself. I don't know, but it's certainly the environment and uh, the PR hit. Is it was that like I said they would have been taught that's all they would have talked about. Now on the plus side though, with all these people watching it on TV, I mean you were only going to have twenty five percent attendance. The blackout has been lifted in Indianapolis. They're going to show the Indy five hundred live on TV uh, in, in in Indiana in the metro area. I mean I think what they're hoping for right now at this point, you know, a win for them is a really really good strong television rating. Oh. You know, you, and you see it with NASCAR, the the normal amount of right. people. They've, they've had an erosion of ratings. We'll see what happens with IndyCar uh, in two weeks with the Indy 500, and uh, maybe they can hit a home run with at least with a television rating, and then we'll go from there. I hope so, but you know, you'll you've never heard me say it before, but I'm like I said, I just I, I'm disappointed in Roger Penske and IndyCar and. Um, you know, I, I feel bad for him on one hand because, uh, you know, he bought the series and, and Indianapolis Motor Speedway and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, this whole poop storm happens that's uh, called 2020. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a hell of a year to uh, make such an investment and then get kicked in, in the nuts with everything that's going on. But that's even more reason why he shouldn't have bent over for a bunch of stupid politicians. Let's take a quick break, and when, when we come back, we're talking a little more at Indy 500. I want to talk about some of the events surrounding it that have been canceled. So we'll be back right after this. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobson.
Final Inspection Show. Steve Zaki, along with the Polish Pipe Bomb, I'd like to thank our friends at the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. How are you doing today, Jeff? Oh, man, fantastic. You know, this is the best two hours of my week, Steve. What uh, what do you got going on tonight? Well, now that you mention it, I'm going on the Sycamore Speedway, which is just south of DeKalb in Illinois. Mm-hmm. We see some Badger Midgets. The Badger Midgets are going to be down there for the first time in many, many years. They're going to have super late models down there, along with street stocks and pier stocks. And, of course, uh, Chase McDermott is uh, chasing his, I believe it's fifth straight uh, win in Badger Midgets. Of course, we had him on the show a few weeks ago, and he won down at Wilmont. Yeah. And uh, there will be down at uh, Sycamore Speedway, which I think you were there a few years ago. Yep. Kind of a high, not a high bank, but a banked uh, a dirt, dirt track. They put on a great show, a quick show, too, I heard. You know, we've been a big advocate for short track racing and putting on a good show. And we've we've heard you know you hear these horror stories. Yeah, they didn't run the feature till after midnight, or oh, yeah. even on 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 a Sunday night, or or on a, on a school night. You know, when, when when kids used to go to school in this country, uh, <laughs> um, uh, you know, you hear these horror stories where yeah, we couldn't stay for the feature because it was getting too late. And we, I've been a big advocate. You got to put on a good show. You got to get the the show. You know, I understand you want to take breaks for concessions and all that. But uh, uh, somebody mentioned that, you know, y- you you can bring your wife or girlfriend to the racetrack once. Mm-hmm. The next time, she decides if you're going to go or not with her. Yeah, exactly. And and so... You, you got to keep it moving. They, you got to keep they it They put moving. on a good show down there, so... There is uh, nothing worse than sitting at one of them local, you know, them small tracks. And A, before they even get going, they're running... A, half an hour 45 minutes late preparing the track and then they run a couple races and then they're you know working on the track again for another 20 minutes it, it just drives you nuts man i hate it and um you know we were talking about the indianapolis 500 with the fans uh you know w- with no fans this year at the 500 um you know and not only is it the you know, no fans, but a lot of the activities around the 500, which especially for the locals or metro area in Indianapolis and those in, uh, you know, those in uh, in the Indiana and the Midwest for that matter. I mean, they go to, into Indianapolis to the Speedway for a good time. Uh, not one of the, the biggest events since they switched it from Thursday to Friday is Carb Day. And uh, this year, I mean, they were going to have a big, uh, concert there. They were going to have Ariel Speedway in there. Sticks is going to be down there along with Martin Garrix. And the only reason why you and I know Martin Garrix because he's on a poster outside our studio. <laughs> he apparently had visited uh, <laughs> the Kiss station here a few years back or did some type of concert here. Uh, and he was on, uh, he showed up at a Formula One race in Dubai or something last year. They had him on TV. I saw, hey, I know that guy. He's on our other station. Nice. But not, not that all that familiar with his music. I apologize. But uh, not only that, but there's a, a Indianapolis uh, museum. Museum and uh, Old Timers Club has a has a banquet downtown, which is a really nice event. That was canceled early on. Uh, there's events always at the museum. 
Um, we'll have Mark Thompson on, Mike Thompson on again in the next couple of weeks, talk about the things happening at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway at the museum. But during the month of May, the traditional month of May, there's all the events and stuff, and I've, I've had the pleasure to be at, which is very, very cool. And, and just uh, there's all sorts of things. Yes, it's the Indianapolis 500, but there's all sorts of events that are tied in within the community, not notwithstanding the, the, the parade, which I, you know, it's not my thing, but there's a lot of people who really enjoy the Indianapolis 500 parade. There's a lot of charities involved with that. I mean, it's a real community thing for for the Indianapolis it's almost kind of like what what we what we have here with with some of our events uh, not necessarily with auto racing but like with Summerfest and State Fair and that kind of stuff right where it's not just that but there's events that are wrapped around it too that uh, I mean you talk about small businesses and that that have that have, that you know that's a big portion of their budget and, and their what they bring in for money is at, at events like this so you know it's certainly it's a struggle it, it kind of sucks yeah no fans at the indianapolis 500 but let's also remember i guess is uh, you know to patronize you know there's somebody posted on facebook or so you know there's not five there's there's not fans at the indianapolis 500 but there's a lot of supporters of the of the speedway on main street in the in the town of speedway go down there and visit them whether it's it's dawson's on main it's you know the aj foyt uh, wine club down there there's a Sarah Fisher's place, 1911 Grill. You know, there's Charlie Brown's uh, Steakhouse, it's Pancake and Steakhouse, which just reopened for like breakfast and lunch. So there's a lot of places down there. If if you're in the neighborhood, go visit them. You know, buy dinner or breakfast there and help them out. And the same up here too. Well, whether yeah. What whether and what you're you know. Uh, West Dallas on Greenfield Avenue to support those uh, businesses that help the Milwaukee Mile. Whether you're at Slinger, Great Lakes Dragway, you name it, you know, help those businesses that are around those racetracks because you know th- th- that that really helps them out too. It does, and you know, for me, you know, this year it's it's hard for me to shed a tear for for Indianapolis, especially when the rug got just completely pulled out from Milwaukee with the DNC. And all the money that that was supposed to yes, bring in, yeah, all the exactly. visitors, all the the restaurants that sat there and and expanded and updated. Well, and just think if you had a, like a house, and and you redid your house because you're going to do a B and B and B type thing for the, the for the convention. Yeah, you know, there, I'm sure I'm sure there's hundreds of people that invested a lot of money, whether it's to do their own house or maybe a rental property or something right. like that. So, I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot of things that. Uh, yeah, it's certainly frustrating, and if you're maybe okay with it, maybe you're in a job where it hasn't affected you, and you're not, you haven't been furloughed or whatever. You know, make sure you support those local businesses, especially those smaller businesses, not only in Milwaukee, but if you go out and about, whether it's Door County or you know, if you go on a little day vacation somewhere here in Wisconsin. But support the good ones. Yep. You know, don't don't feel like you got to go out to a restaurant and you've gone to, to this one restaurant and every time you go there the service sucks. Then don't support them. Right. Support one that's good. Yep. You know what I mean? Right. So uh, do what you can and uh, obviously, you know, we're all here to help each other out and and the Milwaukee money that can stay in Milwaukee, the Wisconsin money that can stay in Wisconsin, that's phenomenal. You know, like you said with with Indianapolis, you know, there's a reason why that's a a yearly pilgrimage for Mm -hmm. so many people every single year. And it's not just the 500. It's the the entire month leading up to it. So 
very sad. I feel bad for them. I feel bad for all the all the, the businesses here as well in Milwaukee because because uh, of the DNC. So you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully the the fear mongering will end soon and and we can get back to normal. You bet. Looking forward to it. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back after the top of the hour, we're going to talk a little more racing. Coming up next on the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove and our friends at David Hobbs Honda. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Saki. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, along with our friends at David Hobbs Honda. So, Jeff, it's been a wacky year, and uh, certainly not a, anywhere close to what we thought, but... How how are you weathering it? How do you how's for sports? Here we are at a sports radio station. With to be honest, especially April and May were pretty tough, mm-hmm. and I don't envy you know the guys on the big show or Bart in the morning or Bill Michaels and those guys you know to come in here every single day and try and, and be you know it it's tough. I mean it. This job is easy when the Packers are going to the Super Bowl, uh, Brewers are in the playoffs, the Bucks and Giannis and all that stuff. That's when it's fun. But to be honest, it can be tough, you know, and uh, at least we've been pretty good. I mean, we have to fill two hours a, a week, but there's been a lot of stuff going on. We have NASCAR that's running, albeit with fans. Same thing with IndyCar, now with the Indy 500 that we just talked about last hour, no fans. Uh, we had that debate before. We have Formula One, but going, and it seems like all things being, you know, considering the issues that we had in baseball, especially last week with the Cardinal fiasco and everything here, and, and the issues with with the Marlins and that. So far, knocking for Micah, you know, racing has been uh, doing pretty well though. Considering, you know, I mean, besides the NBA with the bubble, which I think is the way to go. But with football coming up, I mean, there's definitely some trepidations. I mean, college football too. Uh, how how is the sports environment going to look in September and October, including racing? It's going to look a lot different. And you know, I uh, got an email this last week saying, you know, at least the first two home games at Lambeau will not have fans. Uh, so you know, I which is. I've got, you know, all 10 games every right. year. And so, you know, I'll I'll definitely have a lot of credit to roll over to next year uh, as far as season tickets. So, I mean, what is your option? So you, 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 you said I'll pass this year, right? I have two options. I can either pass or I can quote unquote opt in, which means that uh, I basically enter a lottery okay. every week uh, to see whether I get tickets or not. And I'm going to opt out. Um, and it's not because of, uh, uh, you know, any fear about the virus or whatever. Cause if this was a normal season and I thought that, you know, if this was a normal season and, and if they opened up Lambo a hundred percent, I'd, I'd be there. Um, but, uh, you know, right now with, uh, buying a new house and, and everything else and putting money 
getting two houses ready to sell and all the checks that I've written. It's nice to uh, save it, some of that money. It makes sense for you for, and I think I think a lot of people uh, thought that, and I think a lot of people regarding the, the Indianapolis 500 when they when they said, okay, we're going to go. You know, they, they what I say, 180. I think the tickets they had sold, right? And you can go up to 240. And I don't think they were going to have a problem selling those tickets. And then they went down to half, and you could opt opt out too. And and for a lot of people, it makes sense. I mean, let's face it, especially you got these old codgers that have been going to the race since 1960. I don't want them at the race in this situation because they would be a high risk. So there's a, a decent amount of people, and that's the same thing at Lambo too. It makes sense. We don't want those people to be out. We want those people to, to not to remain home, but I mean to be safe. And I don't think a, a large sporting event is advantageous for them. So I think for if we knock things down fifty percent, it makes sense. We go down to twenty percent, and there's those you know like in your situation. You know what? I can take off the year, but it'll be interesting to see how this works out. I personally, what I think. I, I, I don't think we're going to see fans at, at at NFL games this year. Yeah, I would kind of be surprised Where do if, they make if their we money? do as well. Where do they make their TV. money? TV. Yeah. It's all on TV. That's, what's, that's, that's the most important thing. And to be honest, with uh, okay, with baseball, it's a little weird. I, 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 it's, the lack of fans is a little different. Now, when you watch a Bucks game, though, and the way they have it set up in that, I don't think it makes that much of a difference. So it'll be interesting to see. What's going to be weird are the SEC games, your ACC, those college games, the Big Ten games, where college football, the crowd is, you know, even my wife, Susan, is like, she's always like, oh, yeah, she can – she feels that energy. She's she's a little bit of a football fan, but not a huge. But she kind of – it's kind of cool when a big play and you got the fans cheering that. So that's going to be a different dynamic for, for football this year, isn't it? Oh, when you sit there and you see Notre Dame or you see, you know, the horseshoe and there's 110,000 people in there and, you know, you got the bands playing and, and everything like that, uh, to sit there and, and, and not have any of it is, is going to be a huge loss. But like I said before, I don't have a problem watching sports with no fans and yes uh the way that the nba has set up their court it looks phenomenal it doesn't really make that much of a difference baseball i think did themselves a disservice i think the cardboard cutout people look absolutely stupid i would rather them just have a bunch of empty seats i understand that the teams wanted to make some money and all that kind of stuff, which is why they sold, you know, the cardboard cutouts and right. and stuff like that. So at least they have some revenue coming in. Uh, but you know, it, it it doesn't bother me. And you know, for I I love I love all sports, but more and more as I get older, as I get lazier, and as I have to pee all the time, <laughs> uh, I would most rather watch them at home. You yeah. know. Which is why, for me, Lambo is great because I've got the indoor club seats. Sure. I can get up. There's no line for the bathroom. There's. No, I think I've only gone to the bathroom there three times where there was ever another person in the bathroom up there at the same time mm-hmm. as me, and they're clean, you know. And I grew up going to Wrigley, 
you know, where you're, you're taking a leak in those bathtubs and you sit there and, you know, you're shoulder to shoulder with, you know, yeah. uh, 50, 50 okay. year old, 300 pound got, drunk. Guy. I got to ask a question because this happened to me at Summerfest when I was a kid. Do you ever get stage fright? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, when I was a kid, you know, absolutely. I remember I was at Summerfest. One of the first times I was at Summerfest, full, full, full <laughs> confessional here on the radio. I'm like 13, 14 years old. Oh, yeah. And I'm in, and back then, it was a. Summerfest was not like it is now. It was right. a bit wilder. There was a grittiness to Summerfest back then. And I'm in there and I'm lined <laughs> we're all lined up and there was not enough bathrooms. And these drunk girls come in and they're right behind me. I'm thirteen, fourteen years old and there's girls behind me and I'm at the urinal and they're you know, it's like ain't happening. Yeah. Nope. Ain't happening. Nope. Nope. You try to push it. I out. just kinda pretend uh, okay, I'm done and walked out. I couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. You sit there. You try to get it to come out. It's not coming. Give it a courtesy shake and go away. Yeah, total, total stage fright. So, <laughs> uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I mean, uh, you know, I, we were chatting before the show here. You know, I'm gonna have. I'm, I'm usually down in Indianapolis. And to be honest, you know, I used to tease my dad. You know, I go, "Oh, dad, you just go to the races to go out with your buddies and drink beer afterwards." Now I kind of understand the wisdom of that now. So, I mean, I mean, it's true, though. And I posted a thing on my personal Facebook. I said, yeah, it sucks, uh, you know, not going to Indianapolis 500. But you know what? I'm going to miss more of the friends and some right. people down there. And that's, and that's why, I, go, I mean, I go down there uh, usually on Tuesday or Wednesday before the race. And because it is parties and get-togethers all the way to the race. And by the time the race comes, you're like, whew. Because there's a lot of stuff you're doing, you know, interviews, you're down there, you're doing your media duties and that, but there's a lot of get together. There's always a Penske party you go to. There's a party downtown you go to. There's some other get togethers. There's usually a movie premiere or something, a racing, some type of documentary party you go to. There's the, I, I talked about the, the museum, uh, Indianapolis Hall of Fame dinner downtown that you go to, you, you get dressed up to. There's all sorts of things, not only there, but also at the track. There's also Carb Day. There's a memorabilia show that we would do and, and do signings, book signings, and sell stuff at. And, I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that you would do. And it was, I mean, it's, it's, it is my, you know, it's my big, big week of the year. Yeah, right. it's my Christmas. You know, we a lot of us, you know, we always joke, you know, when's Christmas? You know, Christmas for us is in May. Then this year, when we heard, okay, we're moving it to August, hey, that's fine. Understand that. Yeah. We'll do what we can. And, yeah, it kind of sucks, but I keep telling people, you know what, though? We don't have to wait a year to the Indianapolis 500 next year. True. It, it, we're, we're already in August. Well. So. And I'm being productive at home. I'm getting stuff done. I'm in the process about to start right off, you know, doing a book I've been working on off and on. And I want to get that pounded all over the winter. I want to get stuff done. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. And, and you got to make the best out of it. You know, there's nothing you can do. So, yeah, you know, you do have to make the best out of it. And, uh, you know, it it sucks, you know, having yeah. everything closed, all the options on what to do. You know me, Steve. I, you know, I go to probably on a normal year 40 concerts yeah, a year, 50 right, concerts yeah. a year. I need to see live metal. <laughs> and I can I am not able to go see live heavy metal. 
I am starting to hear things now. You I can hear my kids in the other room. On stage. <laughs> I need some. I need some, Steve, because I can hear now. I can hear my kids. It drives me nuts. I need to go to a show, have my ears explode, so that way I don't hear them anymore. It was bring back the good old days. I don't want to hear them. Well, I'll tell you what, let's take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to hear from Cole Pern. Remember Cole Pern? Cole Pern. From the 78 car, Martin Truex and all that jazz. He says, I'm, I've had it. I'm retiring. I'm getting out of it. And now he's with Ed Carpenter Racing. That was short-lived. Yeah, didn't he have, <laughs> Well, you know, and I think, let's be honest, and we, we've been hearing this for a while. I mean, that NASCAR schedule is grueling. And I was talking to some people last week up at, up at Road America and you know everybody says is you know what the worst thing about racing is to travel and the traveling isn't what it used to be you know there's more hassles or there's less direct flights this and that and it's not you know so that's the hardest part if you could just kind of be like star trek going to that transporter and transport yourself there yeah i think more people would be would stick around longer but i mean think about it if you're if you're involved in nascar whether it's a team or uh, uh, a media, or you work in TV, you work as an official in that, you know, your weekend is 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 Monday and Tuesday. Right. And by Tuesday night, you're already starting to pack because you got to leave Wednesday and start getting ready to go to the track. I know. And, I mean, yeah, some of them get paid pretty well. Others, you know, Others it's, it's a lot. And, and it's a lot like of Cole, sacrifice. Somebody yeah. like Cole, Cole Pern with the family and everything, it's kind of tough. So we're going to hear from him next and see what he said. He talked to the, our fr- uh, the friends at IndyCar down there. And uh, we're going to run that interview coming up next and find his decision-making. In, and maybe is he just crossing off something on the bucket list? Let's find out from Cole Pern. Coming up next on the Final Inspection Show. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back, everybody, to the Final Inspection Show. Sam Schmidt's in here, producer for 105.7 FM, The Fan. Right now, we're going to hear from Cole Pern, as previously mentioned by Steve Zockey here on the Final Inspection Show. Hey, my first question is for Cole. Hey, Cole, we thought we'd never see you again, so welcome back. Um, <laughs> you know, you're, you're very established in NASCAR. you got a good career there. Indy cars are not the same as stock cars. Tell me what are the biggest um, hurdles for you, and, and what are the things that you need to learn to get prepared for this venture? Uh, I think just getting more familiar with everything. Obviously, uh, when you can, everything's kind of, First nature, it comes quicker and you're able to make decisions uh, better and quicker. So I think just getting more and more comfortable with everything. Everything seems fine. It's just, uh, you know, again, just getting more familiar with it all. So um, I think uh, just getting through a couple days will feel a a lot more comfortable and definitely you kind of know where your feet are at that point. And I think, uh, you know, fortunate enough, the Indy schedule is is long enough. That'll uh, hopefully help in that. But never know weather forecast and all that. But uh, yeah, like Connor said, just looking forward to getting on track and then kind of getting the motion of it all. Is the language or terminology different? Like, are there are there things that are the same or things that are totally different? Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, a lot of things are super similar. It's just, you know, obviously the, the values that you're looking at are, are way different, um, you know, way more downforce, you know, a lot lighter car, all those things. But 
and you're still looking for the same things in terms of of handling and all those uh, all those type of metrics you kind of you kind of study are are the same. It's just the values are are slightly different. So um, I think uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been good. Have had some time to at least uh, you know prep on that side of things and get more comfortable with it all. How long have you been in Indy with the team? Two nights, yeah, two nights. But they sent they were nice enough to send me a computer. Um, so I've been prepping for a while, so that was, uh, you know, at least, uh, at least good from that standpoint. Thanks. And Connor, um, an Indiana guy, an Indianapolis guy, um, the announcement that there's not going to be fans, will that feel weird to you? Is that going to make it a different 500? Well, when you think about it, we spend like a lot of days at the track, uh, you know, when there's no one there because we're out there working, we're doing whatever, you know, we're even practicing. There's a few people there, obviously. Um, There's only really one day a year when we have that, uh, you know, the massive crowd. So uh, we so look forward to that. And that is, uh, you know, part of the reason why I love the Indy 500 is is the the crowd, the the people, the sheer magnitude of, of the event. So, yeah, I mean, it is very sad and, 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 it's, and it sucks, but it's a, it's a terrible situation, you know, all across the board, no matter what. But we're going to do the best with with the situation that we've got. You know, we've got some, you know, these teams are still working, you know, hours on end to prepare these cars for the Indianapolis 500, which is our biggest event. It's the biggest event for us at the greatest racetrack in the world, I think. And, um, you know, we're going to give it our best shot. We've got a great, you know, partner with an NBC to give us a, you know, great TV broadcast. So we just got to make sure that every single person in the entire universe watches the race. And that would be awesome. Will it feel different on race day, do you think? Will it take away not having all the pomp and circumstance? Well, it's funny because, like, at Texas this year, there was no fans, obviously. And uh, was it weird? Yeah. But, I mean, realistically, when you're lining up against all your fellow uh, compadres out there, it's like, all right, well, I still got to beat all those guys. And, uh, and, and no matter what, you want to, you know, you, you want to be the best on that day, no matter if there's a million people there or no people there. So, uh, racing is so competitive. You could be at the rental go-kart track and you still want to beat everyone. And it's, and it's the same thing. I mean, it's obviously much larger at the announcement speedway, but you know, we're going to get out there and we're going to want to beat each other because they still, as far as I know, do give you a glass of milk and a trophy and your face gets on that, uh, you know, as it goes down in history for forever. So that's what we're going for. Thanks Connor. Thanks for your question, Jenna. The next question comes from Bob Pockerass from Fox Sports. Bob, please unmute yourself and go ahead. Thank you. Um, Cole, how many, I see you're in a t-shirt. How many t-shirts did they issue you and can you wear one on the pit box or do you have to wear a fire suit or what? I don't know. Maybe you can ask for me, Bob. Um, <laughs> I got, uh, they gave me four, so, and a bunch of crew shirts. I don't know if I can take those out of the bag yet. We'll, uh, we'll see. Uh, hopefully it goes well, and then you can maybe get away with that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and I'm curious, is there something that you missed in NASCAR that you feel will be kind of fulfilled doing it, the Indy 500? Um, yeah, I think just the competition side of it, you know, getting, uh, I mean, something that NASCAR was lacking or, or just something I missed being away? Just something that, something that you missed being away. Oh yeah, for sure. Just the, just the competition side. I think, uh, you know, having a chance to, you know, line up against your competitors and do better than them is definitely the goal. So yeah, I think, uh, obviously it'd be a fully different experience, but racing still racing throw a green and checkered. So definitely, uh, looking forward to getting that side of it and getting into the action. Thank you. All right. 
thanks for your question, Bob. Uh, we'll go to Bruce Martin uh, from uh, SpeedSport. Go ahead, Bruce. Uh, Cole, in the uh, NASCAR world, it's, uh, everybody is so encompassed into it, uh, you know, week after week, it's kind of relentless. But how much were you able to kind of follow IndyCar, what was going on over there with, uh, you know, the drivers, the cars, the teams? Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I always followed it. Um, you know, I grew up a big fan of uh, fan of IndyCar, so followed it from that standpoint. And then over time, you know, grew to, to meet and know a lot of people that, that were in the sport. So definitely wanted to, you know, stay attention to it. So definitely, it didn't feel, it's not like going into something totally foreign. You, you, you know, you at least know, uh, you know, know the players and you know what's going on from that standpoint. So I think, uh, you know, and as with this season, obviously a little bit weird, but, you know, I've been able to watch it in more detail and actually watch the races a lot closer than, than what I've done uh, in the past. And like you said, this season's been a little bit weird as far as scheduling goes for both series, but IndyCar generally has a, a fairly attractive schedule in terms of number of races, number of events, and length of schedule. Is it something that you would like to maybe be part of full-time? Uh, I, I don't think so at this point, you know, definitely just focused on this race and, uh, you know, maybe this race kind of every year thing, see how it goes. But, uh, I don't know, uh, if full-time schedules back, uh, in my, in my future anytime soon. And also just, uh, how much fun do you plan on having with Connor? He's a, you know, fairly fun loving guy and, you know, from following you on social media, so are you at times. So how much fun do you guys kind of, you know, this is going to be a fun experience for you in addition to being a lot of work. Yeah, my experience with racing is way more fun when you do well. So hopefully we do well, and then we'll have a lot more fun. Thank you. Thanks for your question, Bruce. Our next question goes from Jeff Gluck from The Athletic. Go ahead, Jeff. Cole, I'm just curious, you know, obviously we, we can tell from your tweeting that you're watching uh, a lot of these races, um, NASCAR and IndyCar. What's, what's been your observation here as you step back and watch it from more of like a fan standpoint, I guess, or an observer standpoint? Um, you know, what do you see that's good? What do you see that's bad about uh, that that sort of experience uh, that you're that people are getting at home? Yeah, it's been eye opening a little bit. You know, I hadn't watched a race at home in uh, a long time, so uh, I now can understand why when I called my dad during the week, he had no idea what actually went on. So it's been, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think just uh, there's so much goes on behind the scenes that I don't think viewers at home get to uh, get to see or, you know, get exposure to. So, you know, I think that was a little bit eye opening. I, I thought there was a bit more disconnect than what I was kind of expecting, but, you know, I think, I don't know, now I'm getting more used to it. So I'm not sure, but uh, yeah, it's, uh, I know one thing, it's nice to be able to follow the race and then just kind of close your computer and turn the TV off and then go do something else and not, <laughs> not have to go through the, the whole cleanup and, and getting home afterwards. And you said uh, to Bruce that, you know, you don't want to go back full-time for the foreseeable future. Uh, you know, do you, do you expect that you'll be closing the computer and going back to your normal life forever? Or someday will you want to recharge and come back? Or is it too early to say? Um, yeah, too early to say. I mean, definitely not the A plan, um, you know, but never say never to anything. Uh, got to have a job and got to be able to pay for things and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, who knows? Uh, this this experience is uh, I'm really looking forward to. I think it's just fun to be able to go and try something different and just, you know, I don't I don't know what my what my view of it will be once it's over, but um, you know, anxious for for the new experience. Thanks. 
Thanks for your question, Jeff. Uh, our next question comes from David Malsher from motorsport.com. David, please go ahead. Uh, question for uh, Cole. We've done a, a, a lot of talking about uh, how different it is for uh, uh, experienced drivers to adapt to the uh, aero screen and uh, for engineers to adapt to the new demands of the aero screen on the tires and that kind of thing and the new weight distribution. Whereas the rookies are obviously not uh, having to uh, learn anything new as far as that's concerned. Do you feel the same way uh, as a, not a rookie engineer, but a rookie IndyCar uh, engineer? Do you feel that like there's less for you to unlearn and you can just kind of drink it from the fire hose, obviously, but uh, you know, you can just soak up everything that, uh, you know, that the other engineers at ECR are going to throw you away? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I think, uh, you know, with reviewing past notes and, you know, you're pretty always relying on last year's data to kind of do your prep work. So for me, it's, it's still having to learn what the differences are and, and understand that. So when you're looking at, you know, stuff from last year and trying to correlate that um, to this year, you know, you got to have that, uh, you know, obviously said the, the arrow, the arrow changes and the weight distribution changes. So just, yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, kind of in the same boat with with uh, with the other guys as far as what what they're having to adapt to. Right, and uh, a quick follow-up question: uh, Do you feel that uh, when you signed the deal uh, with uh, Ed, was it at a time when you realized how compressed the schedule was going to be and how quickly you were going to have to learn? Um, yeah, it got a little bit more compressed after that, but still, I think. Uh, you know, it was fine. I mean, I was kind of hoping to go to Mid-Ohio this weekend, at least, uh, you know, get to hang out with Connor and the team and stuff like that and, and, and view it from that standpoint. But, you know, that didn't happen. But in a way, it's okay. It's uh, It's been nice to have more time to kind of prep with a, with a singular focus on Indy. And everybody at the shop here is kind of focused on that now because they're not worrying about Mid-Ohio. So that's uh, that's been nice. It kind of is... Every, it's in everybody's frame of mind, so that that uh, I feels a lot better learning experience and a better opportunity for me to get comfortable. Okay, thank you very much, and best of luck. Thanks. Thanks for your question, David. Our next question comes from Jordan Bianchi from the Athletic. Jordan, please go ahead. This question is for Cole. Cole, what is your reaction to Levine Family Racing uh, selling its NASCAR team and the, the complicated dynamics associated with being a Joe Gibbs Racing affiliate? Uh, yeah, I mean, that sucks, obviously, to see, you know, see a team go away for sure. But I don't, I think, uh, you know, it's more to do with, uh, I think it's just bad luck on the G, on the GGR side. I don't think there's any, uh, any correlation there. Um, you know, uh, you know, from my standpoint, obviously, haven't gone through it. Um, it sucks. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, again, I think is a business deal on both sides of it. So um, sucks to see another team go away. Um, I know that they were uh, in a tight spot for a long time. So um, I think uh, I think finally with the pandemic and everything, it just kind of kind of fell apart. So you know, sorry to see that. I know a lot of people there, a lot of great people. So um, hopefully, uh, hopefully they can all find jobs, and it's going to continue to be a tougher job market in that sport. That's for sure. Thank you. All right. Uh, next question comes from Nate Ryan from NBC Sports. Nate, please go ahead. Yeah, thanks, Arnie. Hey, uh, Cole, just want to ask you about the, the genesis of how this all came together. I, I know that you have a friend there and Pete who works on Ed's team, so you could just maybe just talk us through. Did he just, was he working on you for a while and, and convince you to come over? 
Uh, no, we talked about it way back. You know, maybe that would be something. But, uh, you know, I think when the schedule all got changed, the guy that originally was doing their third car um, couldn't do it anymore. So they were um, in a spot where they needed somebody. And, yeah, they asked. And it was like, yeah, why not, right? So uh, that's kind of how it came together. It was pretty uh, pretty simple from that standpoint, really. So it wasn't really Pete's influence so much? I mean, or did was it? Yeah, he called and asked and just said, you know, would you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, sure. So then we talked to, you know, the higher the higher powers, I guess. And uh, yeah, I went from there. Are you looking forward to bringing some of, you know, the, the culture that you guys sort of built uh, for intro racing on the NASCAR side? Obviously, that team is really looked upon uh, as, you know, a really good model for how a team works. Are you looking forward to bringing some of that to Ed Carpenter Racing? Yeah, it seems like uh, very similar, you know, I, you know, ways – Obviously, the shops are a lot smaller, less people and stuff like that. So I think it's got a lot of that kind of scene going on, um, you know, and this is a huge race for them. They typically do really well here. So I think uh, being part of that is going to be is going to be good. It's been great being in the shop, getting to meet all the guys that are kind of working on the team. And it seems like a great group already. And uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been pretty easy so far. It's just I'm, I'm the new guy. So just uh, just trying to find my place at this point. Thanks. All right, thanks for your question, Nate. Uh, next question comes from Steve Wittick from Trackside Online. Steve, please go ahead. Uh, Connor, are you still there? Wait, is he? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, obviously, you um, have worked with us. This is my press conference. <laughs> <laughs> um, you obviously, Connor, have worked with a couple different engineers this year. You're kind of used to moving around. Does that make working with another different engineer this year a little bit easier from your pat what you've done in the past well i've learned to just try to get along with everyone uh i i mean i i have enjoyed working with a variety of people because everyone's got a bit a bit of a different uh way they like to do things a bit of a different um way that you know they like to tune the setup uh and i think i've learned from that as well you know there are a few things that uh you know i know that i like in the car and there are a few things that a lot of engineers, um, you know, really want to make work because that's what that's what they like. So there's there's a lot of different things that I can learn from 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 that. Um, and I'm a very like trusting individual, so I, I'm going to be like, hey, I know that you are a very smart man and have done more school than me probably, and have been you know in this in this racing world for a long time. Obviously, Cole has an incredible uh, amount of experience in the racing world. I mean, uh, you know, was a driver himself as well. So like, he knows what's going on. Um, is there a lot to learn in, in the IndyCar world? Absolutely. I think for sure there is for anyone, for all of us, we're still learning every day, even me. Um, so it, it'll be cool to see how that progresses, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I look forward to getting into something new. This is an exciting time, you know, to, to, to get into the Indy 500 because it's, you know, a bit of a, been a bit of a crazy year, but I mean, I just can't wait. It'll be, it'll be cool to see, you know, what his type of experience kind of brings to the table because you're always looking for something else that 32 other people don't have just something small. All you need is something small on race day to help you, uh, you know, do just a little bit better of a job than anyone else. And you never know, maybe a fresh, a fresh opinion to the situation might, might give us that little advantage. Cool. Thanks. Cole, have you talked to any of the, uh, fellow University of Waterloo guys that are in open wheel right now? About uh, no, I haven't. Not yet. No, I, I'm sure I will. Definitely. Uh, you know, I had a few people hit me up and stuff like that, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. There's definitely going to be a lot more, a lot more Canucks around than, than there was in past life. 
Yeah, I grew up uh, in Hanover and seeing your dad race at Sobel and oh, sweet. all over the place. So good luck. Nice. Thanks for the question. Thank you. And thanks for your question, Steve. Uh, next question comes from Jack Binion from The Race. Please go ahead, Jack. Thanks, Arnie. Uh, Connor, one for you. Um, just wondered, with your kind of understanding of, of NASCAR, if you feel that's going to help the, the kind of communication with uh, with Cole to start with, you know, or maybe it's happened already while you've been speaking and it's something you've kind of noticed already or it's something that you maybe anticipate is going to help when you actually, you know, get to the track. But is, you know, your your understanding of, of that side of things going to make the conversations between you a little bit easier working things out, do you think? Um, I mean, I think so. I, I obviously follow NASCAR really closely. I uh, love NASCAR. Um, and, you know, I've done one NASCAR race. So, like, that's, that's a little bit. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I think no matter what, you're still going to have a communication that he's going to learn. And it's, it, it comes down to, you know, when I come in to the pits and I say, look, the car is understeering one out of five, you know what I mean? It's like, all right, well, he has to learn how much that actually means. And then I, I we have to get used to how, you know, how that's communicated. So, um, that'll be different, but I, you know, a guy like Cole, who's had so much success in racing, like he knows what the goal is and that's to be the best we can be. So uh, it's just a, basically going to be a, an interesting road on how to get there because we're going to be learning a little bit more uh, as we go kind of each session. All right. Once again, Cole Pern and Connor Daly of Ed Carpenter Racing talking there. Once again, coming up next, we will finish up the final inspection show next with Bob Leaving and Jeremy Lang here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the final inspection show, everybody. My name is Sam Schmitz, producer here at 105.7 FM, The Fan. All right, last segment we heard from Cole Pern and Connor Daly. Coming up right now, we'll hear from Bob Leaving and Jeremy Lang here on 105.7 FM, The Fan on the final inspection show. Can you explain what assets you sold? Like, assume it was the charter and the building, but were are any cars involved, or can you kind of go in deeper into that? Uh no, no cars involved, Bob. Everything that we own, charter, building, inventory, we sold. The things that were not, uh, were no chassis, bodies, anything that came from JGR goes back to JGR. And can you say, I know you talked about the impact of the pandemic, but obviously it's a tough business already. How much did the pandemic contribute to this, and how much did the general um, economics of a race team? Percentage-wise, it's probably really difficult to say, Bob. The uh, you know, pan- our biggest sponsor over the ten years has been WRL, our construction firm, and that obviously has been impacted and will continue to be impacted for the next several years. Uh, so that was a big factor, and uh, the business model of, of NASCAR and sponsorship. Obviously, when the pandemic hit, we shut down. Uh, that in itself, you know, we looked at our marketing people and said, you know, we're going to be lucky to sell fifty thousand dollars worth for the rest of the year, because people just can't. Even big companies are going bankrupt. You know, they can't invest in something that's, uh, you know, no more return than what they're going to get during a pandemic. So uh, the business model itself hurt. 
it, it was the perfect storm. And uh, with that coming, NASCAR shutting down, and, and the business model, they're just things. That, and our biggest sponsor, ourselves. So all those things, uh, you know, combined. Matt Gilberto, my partner, largest real estate firm in, in New York. There hit tremendously hard. So it was a uh, perfect storm in the wrong direction. Thank you. Uh, anybody else have a question? Um, Jeff Gluck, go ahead. Yeah, it looks like um, obviously the buyer wasn't uh, listed. Is there an announcement forthcoming on that, or what can you tell us about who purchased the team? Uh, Jeff, at this time, we're not going to speak. It's their news, and we're going to let them uh, make their announcement. And then for Bob, um, what – you know, what does this say about the NASCAR ownership model? Um, you know, I, I understand you're saying that the pandemic has hard to do with it, but you've been pretty outspoken over the years, you know, on Twitter since you joined um, about how, how difficult it is. What's the future for someone who wants to come in and own a race team in NASCAR? I, you know, Jeff, I don't believe that. Uh, I think I probably said enough. We still, LFR still got a race and wants to race for the rest of the year. And and so yes, over the years I've had my, you know, personal belief and and thought we could overcome a lot of the obstacles. Obviously we didn't. And uh, yeah, the pandemic contributed to that, and so I probably ought to stop there. Jeff, I'll add to that as I think uh that as Bob's mentioned on Twitter and, and earlier in this and in the past, the COVID-19 pandemic hit the country, the world, all, you know, all industries and businesses alike and, you know, teams and companies all affiliated with the sport have been impacted by it. And we're no different than anybody else. It just, it comes down to, like Bob said, our sponsors, our biggest sponsorships um, can't help us sustain what we've been doing. And we've had to make a decision to, to go a different way. Okay. Um, Dustin Long. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, I, I just want to ask a couple things. Um, it, it, before the, the, the charter system, had this decision been made for any other car owner, more than likely it's probably getting pennies on the dollar. Um, the charter system was intended to kind of present, give value to a team to allow owners to come and go. Is this happening? Is this helping? Um, what, what what does having that charter? What did that mean? And in, 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 in as part of this deal? Uh, well, if we had been one of the recipients of a free charter, um, you know, it probably been more impactful. But being we were the one one of the ones who had to buy our charter, uh, we probably we definitely did not get out of our charter what we put into our charter. So uh, it's very, from our standpoint, very difficult to say it was a great investment. It just allowed us to run full time for the five years, you know, after we bought it. And that's the best thing I can say for the charter system. And also, um, is this as much of a decision on what the challenges would have been financially this year, or are you more looking at, 
as you talked a little bit about the, the financial challenges for next year. Obviously, every team that's in the sport is still going to face these financial challenges for next year. So was your decision to sell based off of you were going to lose just so much money this year it wasn't worth it? Or did you feel like you could have gotten through this year, but it was next year that was looking uh, really bleak with the uncertainty of where things stand now? Well, we're, you know, we're putting in the same amount of money we had, you know, anticipated for this year. In fact, probably more so because we had anticipated selling the 11 races that we hadn't with Christopher before the pandemic hit. So in reality, that assured us of what our downside was going to be. All right. Once again, Bob Leaving and Jeremy Lang talking for a couple minutes there. That's going to do it for the final inspection today. We'll be back again next week, same time, same place, here on 105.7 FM The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.